Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. Shout out to my OG listeners and purpose chasers. That means that you continue to tune in week after week and make this podcast what it is and make this community what it is. So shout out to you. Thank you so much for the support. If you are new here, you are catching us at a really great time because we're in the middle of a rewind, which means that we are going back last week and this week to look at what the foundation of redefining wealth is. Because this is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We truly believe that wealth is the condition of well-being. And that means that we need to take a look at our lives in every aspect and make sure that we're fulfilled and that we're feeling good about those areas. Because when we're not, it tends to impact our money and our financial goals. And it is the reason that so many people stay stuck and circling in spirals of confusion and chaos with their finances. And I want to help you break that. So it's a great time for a mid-year check-in on those financial goals. And it's a great time to check in with yourself and take a look at some of the areas in your life and see, assess for yourself if you are actually allowing yourself to self-sabotage your own financial success because you won't do the work to heal. Now, last week, we got into the pillars that I consider more of the well-being pillars, and that was fit and space and faith. But this week, I'm going to rewind and let you hear about the foundation of the people pillar, the work pillar, and the money pillar. I call those the wealth building pillars, and you will see why in just a sec. But before I do any of that, I have to say happy birthday to some very special people in my life. First of all, my husband's birthday was two days ago and my daughter's birthday, you know her as Mini Money Maven, or I can't even say that anymore because she's not so many. She is 12 years old today. This goes live August 1st, 2019, and she is 12 years old today. And if you heard the faith pillar last week, and you heard me talk about almost losing her, 
going into premature labor at 20 weeks, ending up on bed rest in the hospital where they were coming to tell me that I was going to have her any day and that she just might not make it. And to see her 12 years later thriving and so beautiful, so kind, so compassionate, so humorous, so witty, so loving and athletic and competitive and just all of these things that I prayed for. I literally have the journal that I had when I was in the hospital and looking at what I asked God for and watching it materialize every day right before my eyes is such a blessing. And so Reagan, I hope you hear this episode today, but years from now and know that you are so loved and that I'm so proud of you. And it is my greatest joy to be your mother. And I know that just as I was called to be America's money maven and to do all the things that I do professionally, you are the joy of my life. And I know that I was called to be your mother and to instilling you whatever I could, whatever wisdom I could pass on to make sure that you are the best you can possibly be so that your life will give God glory. And I am so, so grateful. I just had to get that out. (laughs) So now let's take a rewind and go back so that you're really clear about the foundation of wealth building as it pertains to redefining wealth. But if you missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go back and check it out. All right. So here we go. Pillar number two is called the people pillar. And it's all about understanding that relationships matter. Relationships matter. Relationships are such a key part of how you are going to build wealth. If you don't have allies, if you don't have advocates, if you don't have people who are working to connect you to opportunities, when when they're not even a thought in your head, I am very clear that the only reason I'm here, the only reason I have the opportunities that I have, that I have the platform that I have are because of relationships. And it blows my mind how many people blow off relationships, but then still expect to build wealth. Mm -mm -mm. I cannot tell you this summer, since I have been really out here launching this entire concept of redefining wealth, I have met some characters along the way. Do you hear me? Characters and good people. I'm not saying that they're bad people, but I am saying that I realize a disproportionate amount of people don't value relationships. Like they don't make wise decisions when it comes to how they interact with people. It's amazing to see how many people just disregard relationships. Like I believe in the golden rule. I was raised to believe in the golden rule. You know, treat people how you want to be treated. But even if you weren't raised by the golden rule, as an adult, as a a contributing member of society, (laughs) right? You would think that there were just some base level ground rules that we could all follow. But I learned this summer in a big way that that's just not true. And it's funny, I had this experience of a business relationship in particular where I hired someone that 
I thought I was cool with to work on a project alongside me. And I was blown away by the disregard for timelines, for just honoring what was in the contract, and then not acknowledging when there was breakdown. And this is so key. When I was a real estate and mortgage broker, a part of how I built my business was really through relationships. It was so much word of mouth. And I used to tell people all the time, it's not that I have these deals, these real estate deals that just go smooth as pie because that's not it at all. If you've ever been in a real estate transaction, if you've ever bought a property, sold a property, had anything to do with the process, you know that it's not always smooth sailing. And so it was never that every deal was such a smooth experience. It's that when it got rocky, I didn't run from my clients. It's that when it got rocky, I still answered the phone. I still replied to their emails. I still was proactive with giving my clients information rather than being reactive. And I believe that that mindset and that way of being has been such a huge factor in the success that I have today, in the opportunities, because I'll tell you guys, so many of the opportunities that I have, I could not pray for. I didn't even know what I didn't know. So a lot of the things that have happened in my life, I didn't even know to ask for. I didn't know to pray for. I didn't know to seek it out. But I always knew to treat people the way I wanted to be treated. I always knew that you don't only reach out to someone when you want something. I always knew that in the event of breakdown, you don't run, you don't hide. But when you stand and you let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, good, bad, or in the middle, that people honor that and they respect that because it's so not often done. It's just not often the reality. And so I truly have found in my life and my business on the fact that relationships matter. And it's not about, sometimes when you say that, people think, oh, well, you know, well, you're only nice because you want to get something. And I've had that experience where I realized that people are only, they're only nice to me because they think they're going to get something out of it, right? Like I saw um, one of my favorite people on Instagram, Real Talk Kim, she had this meme up one day and it said something like, people are only sticking around in case you make it. Like something like that. Could you imagine? People are only sticking around in case you make it. And that is so true. And then my girl, Sherry Riley, who I have to have on this podcast, she's the author of Exponential Living, which is a phenomenal read. Oh my gosh, a phenomenal read. We'll definitely have to have her on. But I went through this experience this summer and I reached out to Sherry, who was truly like my girlfriend. And I reach out to her and I'm like, listen, you know, I'm coachable. I love, you know, I love being made aware of where maybe I did not make the best decisions. And I'm open to learning. I always, everyone who knows me knows, I say this all the time. I'm coachable. I'm open to feedback as long as it comes with a solution. And I reached out to Sherry and told her this whole scenario and One of the quotes, I had three pages of notes, literally, when I was done talking to her. But one of the quotes that I remember her saying is, people will cheer for you because it's cool to cheer for you in this season. And and really, she was stressing the point that I have, even at 36 years old, 
made this habit of thinking that someone's my friend because I'm cool with them, because we're in the same circle. Maybe we've had some good text conversation. We maybe hung out a few times. I I mean, you've been in my home or something. I've been in your home. We're cool. I I start using the term friend. And I realized at 36 years old that I guess I may have thrown that around too much. I don't want to go too deep into what we talked about because I definitely need to have Sherry on. But what I learned in this process is that I was treating someone who I was in a business relationship with like a friend. And they were very clear based on how they treated me that I was not a friend. And the sad part about it is I believe wholeheartedly what I learned from one of my mentors, Steve Harvey. There's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Mm, I still love that. Every time I say it, it still like gives me a little warm, tingly feeling inside. Like there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. And my question is, what are they watching you do? Who are they watching you be? How are they watching you interact? And not just what you do with them in the moment, but what are they standing on the outside watching you do? I really think if we thought more deeply about that, a lot of us would change our conversation. A lot of us would change our attitudes. A lot of us would change the way we do business. And my God, I hope it would be for the better because your prosperity is directly connected to the people who know you and the people you know. But what if I don't like what I know of you? What if my experience of you or the experience of my girlfriend or the experience of someone I'm connected to on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere on social media? Because we forget, have you ever looked at your friend list and gone, how the heck do they know each other? Like, wait a minute. He knows her. She knows him. Like, we're this relationship. Wait a minute. I know this person from church, but they know each other from work. And and you would think, well, all these close connections, we are, it's like not six degrees of separation. I think I may have two degrees of, of separation from most people I really want to know. And it's like so close. And you would think that that would make people act right. Oh my gosh. It does not make folk act right at all. And so I've been learning a lot not just about how to build relationships, but a lot of what we're going to talk about too. I won't say a lot, but it's definitely something to discuss in this whole people pillar is when to deepen relationships and when to untie some unsupportive relationships that just don't serve you. They don't serve you getting to your greater purpose. They don't serve you on your way to your wealth. They just don't serve you. And that's a conversation. And I'm learning that just not professionally, but also personally, also personally, you know, a lot of people have asked me over and over again how I ended up on the Steve Harvey show, how I ended up on the Steve Harvey talk show as a regular guest three years and on the radio for three years. And (laughs) it's funny, you know, it goes back to my college days. I've actually known Steve Harvey since I was 19 years old. And I didn't set out to know Steve Harvey. What I set out to do with a girlfriend of mine was we established that we were going to make ourselves the president and vice president of the Black Student Union at USC, University of Southern California. And because it had been dormant for years and all the other organizations required this whole voting process and people had to know you and like you and all this. And I'm like, I work full time. I'm not on campus like that. 
I don't really know all these people like that. I don't know if I could get the vote, but I know if we revamped this organization with no members, if you vote for me, I can vote for you. (laughs) That was literally how my brain was thinking. This is my sophomore year in college. And so my good girlfriend, Nadia, and I uh, decide we're going to be president and vice president. And I'm driving to school one day from my apartment and I hear the Steve Harvey Morning Show and it was just in Los Angeles. And so I immediately get this bright idea in my head like, oh, my gosh, Steve Harvey, he totally sounds like he has money. He can give me five hundred dollars so that I could revamp the Black Student Union. And I'm driving. And next thing I know, they go. Who wants to be in the live studio audience? Send us a fax. Yes, this is back in the day. You had to fax. There was no shoot an email. It was send us a fax. And if you're chosen, one of like the 12 people chosen, you can be in this live studio audience. Like two days later, I think it was like a Friday morning. And I'm like, oh my gosh, totally going to do it. Get to school, go up to this office that I often used as my own office um, on campus and I literally jammed up the fax machine like I faxed these people 933 times like I was a crazy person. I drew flowers on some of the papers. I drew uh, butterflies, beach scenes, whatever. I just want to get the attention of whoever this guy was who was going to be choosing. And finally, he called me back after like an hour. and He's like, you are jamming up the fax machine. Like, yes, you can come already. And I was like, OK. <laughs> All right. Don't be mad at my persistence. Um, I'm a Trojan. Fight on. And so so I end up going at five o'clock in the morning, two days later with my little letter on my um, on our our homemade black student union uh, letterhead with this ask of Steve Harvey for five hundred dollars. And we get there. And the first thing that they say is you're piling into this little studio is no soliciting. Don't ask Steve for anything. I was like, okay, they're not talking to me because it's early in the morning and I came here with purpose. So (laughs) this doesn't really apply to me. So as the show is winding down, I'm getting my, you know, the gumption up. I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to make my ask. I start sliding my letter out of my purse. And I was technically supposed to be maybe the third or fourth person who leaves the studio. I just keep stepping back, letting people go in front of me, stepping back, stepping back. Like, oh, you go ahead. No, 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 you go. It's fine. Even Nadia, my girlfriend, actually left me. So I ended up being, she was like, I'm not going to ask. They said, don't solicit. I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to ask. So we get to the, I'm the last person. And the gentleman there is like, what do you want? Why, why are you letting people go in front of you? So I give him my whole spiel. And I'm with Black Student Union from USC. And I was thinking this and maybe that. And he lets me get to the end of this spiel. And he says, Oh, wow. I was president of the Chicano Student Union at USC. And so we have this great fight on bonding moment. And he says, hold on a minute. He goes, he gets Rashawn, who was Steve's manager at the time. And before you know it, Rashawn and I have this conversation. He invites me to another event. It was actually the House of Blues. I remember Destiny's Child was performing for the for young people. Beyonce, lead singer, Destiny's Child back in the day before they were popping like that. And they were performing. He invited me to that. I go back like a week later and it became this string of like, come to this, go to that, meet me at this event. And I was like, this guy is not serious. And Nadia was like, he's definitely playing with us. He's not serious. But something just told me to... to keep going, to keep pressing forward. And 
probably a third or fourth event that I ended up going to, I got a $2,000 check from Rashawn. And I also got an invitation to become an intern on the show. And originally I denied the internship. I took the money, denied the internship because it was unpaid. But I ended up having to quit my full-time job. I worked at a hotel, a front desk at a Westin hotel back in the day. And parents made me quit my job. I was working 40, 50 hours a week. And I had way too much time on my hand. So I reached back out and said, do you still need an intern? And what was supposed to be a 60 or 90 day internship ended up being a two and a half year job. On that last day of my internship, I got cards, gave cards to everyone on the team, Steve Harvey, Shirley Strawberry, Rashawn, and some of the other folks that were local. And they were like, where are you going? What is this about? I'm like, well, it's my last day of my internship. And Steve is like, the hell it is. No, it's not. You can't leave. And that was it. And I worked for him for two and a half years until I graduated from USC. He even spoke at my black graduation there. And so even though I left to start my real estate and mortgage brokerage and went on to do my own thing, when I lost everything and found myself on the couch, on my brother's couch in Atlanta, Georgia, he had moved his operation um, from, at that time from L.A. to New York to Atlanta. And it was just divine. It was just came right back around several years later, six years later, I ended up in that community again. And so it didn't even come down to me ever asking Mr. Harvey to be on his TV show or to be on the radio show. I just continued to do the work. I started writing a blog. I worked on my first book. I started doing little YouTube videos and they just saw the work. And, and when I did my first interview, this is January 2014 on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. During the commercial break, it was a two-parter. And during the commercial break, I said, Mr. Harvey, I just want to thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate you helping me get out there like this. And he said, you know why I would help you, Patrice? Because so many people come to us, they don't want to do the work, but they want to ask for the world. He said, and you always out here doing the work and you never ask. And some people have told me over the years, like, why wouldn't you have asked? Why wouldn't you have asked? But I'm just a firm believer that my job is to do all that I can do and then stand. Right. Like, I believe that when God sees what you're working on, he already knows what you're waiting on. He already knows what the connection is that you need. He already knows who the plug is. Like, like your gift will make room for you. Right. You I don't feel like I have to go around town begging and asking for stuff like not and I'm not saying that you don't make the ask because there's an appropriate time to ask for what you want but I also know that there's a lot of people who ask for things just out of turn like they have not built a relationship worthy of asking for what they're asking for that's my that's my honest belief and I think that if we had a greater respect for just building genuine relationships we would see so much more prosperity in our lives because it's one thing for you to toot your own horn, which is necessary, but it's nothing like being at home, minding your business and getting a call or a text or an email from someone who says, such and such told me that you were the person to X, Y, and Z. And you're not jumping through hoops. You're not doing a bunch of applying for anything. There's no, there's the word of someone else. And so that's why it's so important to treat people right. 
And there's so many different ways that we have to look at this. There's so many different ways because we also have to talk about setting boundaries. We also have to talk about just letting your no be your no. We have to talk about how to deal with unsupportive family members and friends because that's a real thing. But all of that is connected to our wealth. And that is why the people pillar is so important. And another way that this is so important is the personal aspect. There's a video on YouTube where I talk about three bonus benefits of taking a step back from my business. And the reason I put that out there is because there was one point where I was super focused on my business and I was focused on building these business relationships. But the reality is the very people that I said I was doing all of this for didn't feel like I was doing it for them. Like there was that one point where I was on the road so much that my husband and my daughter were kind of like, when's enough enough? And when you're home, you're present physically, but you're not present. I was on my phone. I was jotting things down. I was thinking of the next blog post. I was taking notes for the next book. I just, I was so into it. And there's a season where even now my family knows that I am in a season of just birthing this whole redefining wealth concept and really getting it out there to the masses. And that takes extra work. It takes extra time. But I've also learned over the years how to honor and respect them when I am present, how to be deliberate and intentional about the time that we spend together, how to make sure that that time is like quality. Because so many of us are so caught up in chasing the dream, chasing the money, the hustle and grind. And the very people that we say we love can't even feel that we love them. And that's not what this is about either. Because how sad would it be to have all the money and material possessions and assets in the world, yet not be in fellowship, not be in community, not have people that genuinely love you for you? Because I can take off this America's Money Maven cape tomorrow. I could take it off at this moment. And I know that there's two people who live in my house that are going to love me no matter what. And I know that there are dozens of other people friends and extended family and church members who will love me just the same and not for all the things that you see, but for the things that I do for them and with them, right? And so that is an important piece as well. There is nothing like the well-being of the relationships in your life. And so creating relationships that matter is so key because also when you have those personal relationships intact, it gives you the freedom to go out and be all that you've been called to be. Because you know, when you get back home to that safe space, there are folks waiting to love on you and help you replenish and rejuvenate, right? And there's something really special about that. But I also believe it's a big connection to your wealth. And so that is the premise for the second pillar of redefining wealth. And I really like what we've been talking about so far. And hopefully you have been uh, enjoying it too. And if you're new, hopefully you will enjoy it. And so today is the fifth pillar, which is work. And that's about living out your life's purpose. Work is about living out your life's purpose, which I see as a real key to wealth. 
Because anyone who's followed my work for some time as America's money maven, at some point over this last decade, then you've probably seen through my books or my speeches or my work in general that I've always gone well beyond the normal budgeting and coupon cutting conversation, right? So if you look at my best-selling book, Real Money Answers for Every Woman, you'll notice that before I ever talked about a budget or a savings account or debt elimination strategy, which I do because those things have their place, they're necessary, they're just not the only things, right? The first half of the book is broken up into two sections. So the first quarter, let's say, is all about shifting your mindset to create wealthy habits. But then that second quarter is about giving yourself permission to earn more money, because I know that when I lost everything and I was down and out, it wasn't about cutting coupons or using rewards cards. Like I knew that I had gifts and talents and skills, things that I was born with, things that I was supposed to use to produce wealth that I wasn't doing anything with. And I was like, okay, yeah, I could do this, put some hours into saving maybe $50 or even if it's $5,000, if it's on cookies and garbage and stuff that I don't eat, you know, that's not beneficial either. <laughs> but I'm like, if I could make $500 with the same amount of time and effort, right, it would be better because I would also be finding fulfillment in using my gifts. Because one thing I have learned as America's Money Maven and helping people all this time is that lack of fulfillment in my book is one of the number one reasons people mismanage money. Lack of fulfillment is the number one, I really believe the number one reason people mismanage money. Because when you're not excited or fired up to spend time doing work that you love and that you can be passionate about, then you're looking for ways to fill the void. You know, because I really think that knowing your purpose and walking in it daily is what helps you establish your priorities, right? And so when you don't know what your priorities are, it's really easy to go with the flow. Every time someone invites you out, you're running to go out or you want to window shop or you want to surf the internet aimlessly because you're unfulfilled, right? And the truth is that you're enough and stuff and things really shouldn't define you. But when we are not fulfilled and when we're only working to get a paycheck and we're not working in our purpose, it creates this gaping hole. It's like this unquenchable thirst that nothing will fill. And I really feel like when you're working in your purpose, you bring a different spirit to the table. Like you bring a sense of enthusiasm and energy to your work. You want to operate in excellence. You want to be known for greatness, right? It's just naturally putting you in a space where you attract more because people want to work with you. People want to bring opportunities your way. They want to connect with you. They want a partner. They want to introduce you to some of their biggest contacts, right? That does not happen to someone who's working merely to get by. And I'm not saying that this even happens overnight because the process is a journey, but it is so much more rewarding. You know, I can tell you for sure in my own life that so many of the most miraculous and profitable opportunities I've received didn't even come from asking someone or trying to force something to happen. In the people pillar, I talked about the fact that when I first got on the Steve Harvey Morning Show, which ended up becoming a weekly segment for over three years, I didn't ask for that. It was an opportunity that was attracted because I was working in my genius. I was working in my gifts. 
And I really believe even now it's a light. There's a magnet. People can see that anointing, right? And they want to be a part of that. They want to connect to that in some form or fashion. But that's also why in the space pillar, we talk about protecting your space and your peace. Because when you are a light, when you are walking in your purpose, sometimes you also attract some charlatans (laughs) and some characters. So that's why this all goes together, right? But I'll tell you this, more often than not, I've really just received opportunities from nurturing relationships and then trusting my faith, like we talked about in the last pillar, to guide me and protect me on that journey. And there's just wealth in knowing what you are uniquely called to do and then being able to pursue it gracefully yet relentlessly because working in your purpose and walking in your purpose doesn't mean that you don't have to work hard because I still work very hard. And so many of the people that we're going to interview on this podcast for you, they work very hard, but... It's just something really magical and special and, again, fulfilling about doing what you were called to do. And uh, for my friends who are in corporate America or you work in the government sector or wherever you are, I don't want you to think that when I say working or walking in your purpose that I mean entrepreneurship because I am super crystal clear that not everyone should be an entrepreneur. Let me say that again. I am super super duper crystal clear that not everyone walking in their purpose is going to be an entrepreneur. On your job, there is purpose for you. In that cubicle, in that corner office, on that, you know, co-working space floor type of setup, there is purpose for you. There is a reason for you to be there. So I don't want you to think that work and living your life's purpose is about entrepreneurship. It's about career. It's about carving your own path too. And what I see a lot is that people want to ditch their nine to five, mostly because as a culture, we try to shame it. I have no idea why that started or where it started. I know I'm sick of it. (laughs) But the truth is, if you still feel unfulfillment on your job, you might already know what your gifts are. You might know what your talents and your skill set is, but you might be using it in the wrong way. Like, you might be using it in the in the wrong community. Maybe the people that you're around don't value you. It doesn't mean that you're not in your life's purpose. It might just not be in the right place, right? Or you might not be in the right industry. Or you might not be in the right ministry, but you are on to something. You know what it is. So I want to encourage you. And what we're going to look at is how to take those gifts and those talents and those skills and that thing that you were born to do. Because let me tell you, I believe that we are all born to be the solution to someone else's problem. I believe that there's someone waiting on us. I think I've said this in a previous episode. It's not about you. That's in the faith pillar. Like, that's what I've learned. When you believe in something greater, it's not about you. And even in this walking and working in your purpose, it's really not even about you. It's about how the world is supposed to be served with gifts that you were given. And it doesn't matter how many other people are doing it. It doesn't matter. You know, I always say Burger King didn't put McDonald's out of business, right? So, you know, It doesn't matter that there's someone else out there already doing it. There are people who only can receive it from you. 
There are entrepreneurs who are looking for your assistance in their business. There are corporations that need you to bring your talents to the table. Not only do they need you, you need it. You owe it to yourself to figure out what this purpose is, to know what the gifts are. Because when you do, that's when that void starts to fill. That's when you can get to a Friday and not go, well, I work hard, so I deserve to go shopping. Or I'm going to just turn up this weekend like I don't have a care in the world, really because you're trying to fill the void of hating what you did all week, right? You owe it to yourself to get crystal clear in this area. And that's a part of what we're going to do. I am so excited about the executives and the entrepreneurs and a lot of the people that we have lined up already confirmed guests that are going to share their stories and share how this pillar has taken them to levels that they never thought imaginable. This pillar, living out their life's purpose. Because let me tell you, a part of living out your life's purpose too, it might sound cool, it might sound sexy, but it's very lonely sometimes. Because just because you have the vision, right, doesn't mean you're always ready to articulate it or you know how to truly express it. Sometimes you just feel it at first. And if you're anything like me, when I feel something I just try to take the next best step in that direction. It's not that I have it all flushed out. It's not that I always have some super duper airtight plan. It's about going with my gut sometimes because I see it as being a piece of this bigger vision. There's going to be people who don't get it. Even with that, there are going to be people who just don't understand. There are going to be people who don't support. And so this work piece and living and working and Walking in your life's purpose is really important because sometimes you're going to have to do it by yourself. Sometimes you're going to do it alone. Sometimes you're going to do it and no one else is going to get it. But you have to stay committed to it because you're in alignment with what authentically speaks to you. And the more you become fulfilled in these other areas, the easier time you will have with money, which is the last pillar. So no, I'm not a fan of chasing money, but I am a raving fan of attracting the prosperity you desire. And I really think that when you bring all of this together, it becomes more of an attraction thing than a running after and chasing thing. My sweet spot over the last decade has been showing people how to make and manage and multiply their money masterfully. That's really what I'm good at. But I always felt like I can show you anything about budgets. I can talk to you about investing a little. I can talk to you about credit and debt elimination. But if you don't have some of this foundational stuff down, you're never going to do it because you don't have the right mindset yet. You don't have the right behaviors yet. You're not involved in the right relationships yet. And so it doesn't matter what you learn. I mean, it matters, but it really doesn't (laughs) because there's always this disconnect and confusion between knowledge and wisdom. And my goal is to teach you wisdom. But what a lot of people think is because they have knowledge, they have wisdom. Well, with knowledge, you have information. You may have loads of education, but wisdom is knowing how to apply that. And the application piece is where we fall off. And if that application piece is not in check, then you're never going to have the money that you want to desire. You might see it. I've seen it before. I've been rich and broke. (laughs) Right. I've seen it, but I didn't have 
the capacity to sustain it. And there's so much that we could talk about with money. But the biggest shift that I really want to make for you, just while I have your ear right now, is to tell you with money, here's a thing that we don't hear enough in the personal finance space. And this is what I want you to really take note of. What you respect will become what you perfect. What you respect will become what you perfect. And you might be going, Patrice, what does that even mean? Listen, as you know, already, I told you I've been all over the place teaching people about money. And I always get asked, what's the greatest lesson I can know about money? And people think I'm going to say something about life insurance or 401k or some savings account. You know, are people like, what do I need to do to get back on track financially? And a lot of people are surprised by my answer. And you might be surprised. But truthfully, again, I think that we've been conditioned to jump into our relationship with money without ever being trained on how to properly acknowledge and honor and respect money. Because think about it, what you have with money, what I have with money is a relationship. And we talked about this a little bit in the people section, but I believe that what you nurture grows. So any relationship that's rooted in acknowledgement and appreciation and trust and honor and respect is bound to be healthier. It's bound to be healthier than any relationship where there's no communication, a lack of interest, like this begrudging attitude and almost this downright disdain, right? I mean, if you think about it, I'm married. I've been married almost 10 years. And if you think about it, if you're in a relationship or have been in a relationship or have seen a relationship on TV, you know that you can't only speak to your spouse or people can't only speak to their spouse when they want something or when they need something. And then when they do, it's with this really salty attitude, right? You have to nurture that. You have to check in with each other. You have to show respect and appreciation in order for you to have the best relationship possible. Like, what if you only checked in on your family, not not daily, not weekly, not even quarterly, but every once in a while, it, when you got around to it, maybe. You know, so many of us pay our bills based on after everything else is done, maybe I'll get around to saving or maybe I'll get around to paying this bill off or maybe I'll it's a very lackadaisical relationship there's no intentionality there's no purpose there's there's no effort right and we've all been there where you only have that friend that checks in with you when they need something and that doesn't feel good and I would imagine your money doesn't feel good about that either <laughs> right and one of the questions I do get asked as well is, okay, so what the heck does respecting money even look like? What does that look like? And I think it's so practical sometimes. We just make things so difficult. And what you'll learn about me as you come back over and over again and you subscribe is that I'm really into practical tips. Like I'm into things that you can turn this device off, whatever device you're listening on, and go and do something and take action right now and see some type of benefit, if not today, definitely in the near future. So when you say, well, what does respecting money look like? If that's the very first piece, but before we can talk about making and managing and multiplying, what does respecting it look like? One thing is maybe just blocking time on your calendar each week or each month, just to check in with your money, to really get a handle on what's coming in, what's going out. Why did that change? Where did the shift come from? What can I do better? The same things I have to do with my husband. The same things that I have to do with my daughter, 
not get to do that with them more often, but just reserving that time to have the conversation. Don't you think that that would nurture the relationship a bit? Right? Another thing that I do that people have laughed at, let me tell you, I have been full-blown dressed up to the nines. And one of the things that I do that I believe in, that I teach my daughter to do, and everyone who knows me knows this is how I am, I will be fully dressed. Dressed up, full-blown makeup, hair, nails, all that popping. And I will bend over to pick up a penny. Because for some people, it's just a penny, right? It's just, oh, I'm not going to stop for changing the street. But I really believe that that's telling the universe that money isn't important because I don't think the universe distinguishes between denominations of money. That doesn't matter. It's about the respect. And I look at pennies on the street like opportunities in my life. I've trained myself because I used to be that way. I used to be fearful of, well, what are people going to think? Well, what are they going to say if I stop and pick that up? Do I look desperate? Do I look thirsty? Do I? Look... And I just train myself to believe, no, I look like someone who respects money. And I look like someone who money loves. Money comes to me because I go to it, right? Like it's, there's an attraction there. But so many people are caught up in what will people think? And I'm, I'm telling you, I've been there. So I know you don't want to stop. You don't, what will people think? But I think about it the same way that I do when there's an opportunity in front of me and I won't just stop and buckle down and do whatever it takes to submit that proposal, to make that call, to send that email and potentially get the opportunity of a lifetime because you never know what's going to happen, right? And I remind myself when I'm tempted to walk past a penny in the airport, which now I find quarters and dimes and dollars and $5 bills all the time. Right. My daughter has even found a $10 bill on the street. Like we attract so much money now, but I've trained myself to look at life in the same way. Like if I'm tempted to walk by something because someone's around or because I have a certain thing on or I look a certain way, I say, okay, so what other opportunities, Patrice, are you walking over in your life? Oh, that really starts to shift things. That really starts to shift things. And I keep talking about it. And it's not to brag and boast, but it is so imperative that you understand that so many of the opportunities, the possibilities that will get you to the wealth that you desire will come through relationships, will not be things that you have to go and chase. They will come to you effortlessly. Like, I can't wait for us to keep digging in and unpacking this stuff because I can't wait to read the reviews as you start to incorporate this stuff. Like I, because I don't believe that, I believe in God and I don't believe that God is any respecter of person. I believe that these attitudes and these beliefs are what they are. Like I love what Steve Harvey says. He says, you don't get what you want, you get what you believe. You don't get what you want, you get what you believe. And I love that. And I really think that Because this is the way that I believe, because these are some of the little quirky things or you might call them woo woo or whatever, but I know how I live. (laughs) I know what's been attracted. I know that I have walked through doors that I, I'm gonna keep it real. At the time, I was not qualified on paper to walk through. I know that. I know that there are people who look at me all the time and go, why is she getting more opportunities or why is she getting the better opportunity or why are they paying her more than they're paying me and I'm more qualified and I'm more this. 
I truly think that it's because of all this other stuff that I do. It's not the stuff that you can see. It's not social media images. You know, it's not all the stuff that business coaches or these gurus or people will probably lead you to believe. I really think it's the internal work. I think it's the practical stuff like blocking time to nurture the conversation in my family with about money. Like, I think it's about respecting money enough to not walk over any denomination of it, but to pick it up and cherish it and have a little conversation <laughs> with it. <laughs> That's a whole nother story we'll talk about, right? Another way that you could respect money is as simple as opening your bills. I know so many people who don't even go to the mailbox. Like your mailman is pissed at you, so tired of your behind. Because you don't open it because you think it's going to be bills. And I've changed that because when I went through my storm and everyone was sending me collection notices and all this stuff, let me tell you, I didn't want to go to the mailbox either. But I started to reframe that and I started to say, what if there's a surprise check in the mail? Or what if someone wants to offer me an opportunity to cancel some debt? I better run to that mailbox like I know, like I know that's what it is. Like I started to just shift the conversation. You know, and this is what I believe. I think that more money will be the natural byproduct of you cultivating this genuine, mutually respectful relationship, right? One that doesn't use and abuse or ignore and forget about, but one that shows gratitude and concern every step of the way, no matter how large or small the denomination is. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a byproduct. It's a byproduct. So when we talked about the fit pillar, when your mind is clear and you've dealt with some of the trauma of your past, the money will come. When you get your physical fitness in order, right? Because right now a lot of us are praying for visions to come to pass, but we don't have the vessel that's prepared to walk into that vision because we're not our best self. We're not healthy yet. But as we begin to get healthy, that'll come. As we begin to attract the right relationships and let go, of relationships that don't serve us, then we'll make those divine connections that'll help us create wealth. You know, when we start to clean up that clutter, that physical manifestation, right, of all the stuff that's cluttered in our mind, in our spirit, in our soul, when we start to save time just by being organized, when we wake up in a space that's beautiful, that gives us peace, that makes us smile, that makes us just happy to be alive one more day, right? Then we can attract the wealth that we want. Then we can attract the money. When we don't chase money, but when we only take opportunities that are in full alignment with who we are, with what we were created to be, with how we were created to show up in this world, then we attract the abundance that we desire. When we walk and work in our life's purpose and we don't allow ourselves to be so unfulfilled that we use buying stuff to fill the void, then we can actually sustain the money that we make. There are so many conversations that we can have about money. And again, so many fantastic financial podcasts. But here at Redefining Wealth, we are going to look at all aspects of this because I'm convinced Again, I'm convinced that this journey is just simply not only about money, but the success that we have with money is based on 
our well-being and our happiness and our intentionality and our peace in all the other areas of our life. All right, I hope that was good. I know it was a refresher for many of you, but I'm so excited. It's a great mid-year check-in. Refresh yourself, ask yourself the tough questions. Ask yourself, where are you really on a scale of one to five? And I would encourage you to go to patricewashington.com, click on start here. Because on Start Here, I go through the pillars and I give you kind of a mini assessment so you can really look at where you are versus where you want to be. And now we can start doing the work to fill in the gap. Also at patricewashington.com, what you'll see are the different sections or categories that relate to the pillars. If you want more content, you want all the past podcast episodes that relate to that pillar, you want some of my YouTube videos that relate to that pillar, and you're just trying to strengthen up in some of these different areas, then go to patricewashington.com. It's all categorized for you. You can put that thing on play and just let it go and let it get in your spirit and hopefully allow you to make some shifts that will lead to complete transformation in your life and therefore transformation in your finances. Again, please rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for the amazing reviews that you continue to share and share I am on the road to 1 million downloads. My goal is to get there before our two-year anniversary in September. So all of your shares matter, your ratings matter, your reviews matter, and your support truly matters to me. Thank you so much. Uh, Shout out to Marshawn Evans. Happy birthday to her too. Marshawn is one of our favorite past podcast guests. She's my business girlfriend and heading out of town right now to go celebrate with her for her birthday. Shout out to you, Marshawn. And oh, I almost forgot. If you're looking for my top three episodes in each pillar, then check out the show notes this week. You'll want to see the show notes for last week and this week so you can get the links to get directly to the good, good stuff. It's all amazing, but I went based off of the ones that I listened to over and over again. And the ones that you guys have played and downloaded the most. So on the people pillar, you're going to hear from Sharia Jackson, go hard and go home. You're going to hear me on boundaries uh, are necessities. You're going to hear from who else? Oh, my mentor, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, wealth is a choice. One of the top podcast, I think he's the number one, excuse me, he's the number one episode downloaded on this podcast out of 102 episodes. My other mentor, Brad Klontz, Dr. Brad Klontz, The Truth About Savings. I have some good stuff and I gave you the links directly to help navigate. So go to those show notes for sure. All right, you guys, I'm in celebration mode. Everybody's being celebrated. My husband, my daughter, my bonus girls, their birthdays are this weekend. Marshawn, so many good girlfriends uh, having birthdays. Shout out to all the Leos. I can't seem to get away from y'all. So I just embrace it. But I'm excited. I'm excited to re-up, get through these rewinds and hit you with a brand new episode next week that I know is going to be a blessing. I know it's going to be a blessing. The title is Impossible means it's just not your priority yet. Ooh, It's going to be good. I'll let you ponder on that for a few days. All right. I'll see you next week. And until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.